you want to open up to Psalm 100. So what we talked about last week was just one of the answers that we had already talked about when we talked about this uh, about a year and a half ago. It's kind of a basic idea. Why did God make me? And the answer we gave was just a summary, kind of a paraphrase of multiple verses uh, or kind of a conglomeration of several verses put together. But what we said was, why did God make me? God made me to serve him, to be like him, and to be with him all my days. And... We looked at a lot of verses last week to try and see that, I, I hope that you could see that it's not just, although the way I phrased it, um, I did my best to make it easy and memorable, but also biblical, that the goal was to basically just have a paraphrase of a verse or a summary or multiple verses put together. And so we looked through Last week, just the range of the Bible, that I really believe that this is what the Bible teaches from the beginning, right? When, why did God make man? Whatever God made man for, we should be able to see it at the garden. And we talked about how God has made, God made man in his image. He made man to be like God uh, and to serve him. God told Adam and Eve to work the garden and the earth and fill it and subdue it and tend it. And to be with him. We saw how, you know, in, in the garden they were meant to be with God, and it was actually sin that separated them. They were meant to walk with God and to be with him, and it was sin that separated. So the purpose of man started there, and then we looked at how redemption is restoring what was lost in the fall. We lost all three of those um, partially in the fall, um, where men aren't serving God, we're serving ourselves. Although we're made in the image of God, we're poor image bearers because we're not acting like God. Instead of being merciful and loving and kind and, and um, holy, we're being unholy and unmerciful and unkind and selfish. Totally different than God. Although we're still as image bearers, we're poor image bearers. And we're definitely not with God. We're separated by our sin. That God can't be with sin. And the whole picture of the tabernacle was a picture of you know man being separated from God, the veil being there. But we talked about how redemption is there to restore all those things. That Christ came and looked at the verses, you know, that Christ came so that we could serve God again. Think about Cain and Abel, how God literally just rejected um, Cain's offering and just said, you can't serve, you know, I don't want your worship, I don't want your service, uh, you're far from me cause, because it said, because of his offering and who he was. And so that's interrupted. But Christ came to make it to where we could be his servants again, to call us in, to wash us by his blood so we could again be the servants of God, so we could be like God. Christ came to wash us by his blood and put his spirit in us so that we could be like Jesus, that we could be changed into his likeness to be once again holy and loving and kind and merciful, and all the things we were supposed to be, um, and then to be with God. First Peter uh, 3.18, Christ uh, died once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, that the redemption restores all these three facets, um, that we could serve God again, we could be like God, and we could be with him all our days. And then we looked at the end in Revelation, where all this is ultimately fulfilled, so we're going to be with God. 
we're going to serve him, and we're going to be like him all our days. And we looked at all those verses where it talked about how God's name is going to be written on our foreheads, how we're going to serve him day and night, that we're not even going to have the sun because he's going to be our light. We're going to be right there with him face to face. And so all these things will be fulfilled. And so the whole point is just to give a kind of summary and a framework for, one, the Bible, and help understand what is going on. We talked about even just how in Leviticus we can use this framework and understand some of the difficult passages in Leviticus. And we looked, looked at that, how God is wanting us to be holy like he's holy, how he's wanting Israel to serve him, how he's putting all these sacrifices in place so that they can once again be with God. And so just the whole point is I wanted this to be helpful, that something you could carry around with you. We talked about it kind of like a first aid kit. If your first aid kit is exhaustive and it's too big, you can't take it with you all the time. It's just too much to carry around. It's not useful every day. Um, if it was 100 pounds or 200 pounds or 1,000 pounds, your first aid kit, you couldn't carry it around or you wouldn't carry it around. You'd leave it at home. But if it's something that you can carry with you, it's small, it's compact, and it's easy to use, you can take it wherever you go and it's not inconvenient. And so that's kind of the purpose of, a, of this short little catechism is wherever you go, it's simple enough that a four-year-old could remember it and understand what it means and portable enough that wherever you are that I feel like this is a help and so there's many many times for me personally where I ask myself what what am I supposed to be doing here I feel confused I feel like I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing or what I should be doing and I think well what what has God made me for he made me to serve him to be like him and to be with him all my days. And sometimes I can't do all three of those, but it's always one or two of those that applies. So I gave the example, like at the grocery store, here I am standing in line and I'm feeling impatient. What does God want me to do here? I'm, I'm not serving him in the sense I can't do anything. I'm just waiting. But I certainly can be like him and be patient that when I get up to the register, I'm not impatient and unlike Jesus, um, that I can be like him and I can be with him. I could use that time to pray for the people around me, pray for the rest of my day, pray for the things going on. And so just little things like that help me throughout the day. And so that's all a summary of what we talked about last time. Okay. Uh, and this week, originally I was going to do it in two separate sermons, uh, but I'm actually going to split it down to three just because it kind of got unmanageable. So this week we're going to talk about two of the three, uh, dig in a little bit deeper. So here let's read Psalm 100 finally. <laughs> okay. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God, and it is he who made us. We are his. We are, the, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good, and his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Okay, the two we're going to talk about today, you really see in, in verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing. So just going to hit and kind of dig deeper on that we're made to serve God and we're made to be with God. And so I'm kind of jumping off here. You see them both in this verse, but I'm going to kind of bring in a lot of other verses. It's kind of a topical message here. So first let's talk about serving God. First thing I want you to know and we've talked about this before when we did our series on worship, is that serve, the word serve in Hebrew and Greek, both, can mean worship or serve. 
And in English, we don't really think about those together. When you think of service, we don't immediately think of worship. But but it's the same word. I can the same word can mean either one of those in both Hebrew and Greek. And there's kind of a double meaning there, and a lot of different verses. So you see it here in in Psalm 100: "Serve the Lord with gladness." The whole context is actually worship, um, praising the Lord, singing to Him. But it's got a broader meaning as well. You can serve the Lord not just by singing. There's lots of ways to serve the Lord. And in our thinking, it, they just don't go together well. It's, it, it, it's not as natural in our thoughts, I think probably based on our language, to put these two together. But one way we could try and think about it as worship is serve, as service is, or service as worship Whenever you are out and you're not necessarily singing, you're not praising the Lord verbally or even in your mind, but you're serving him, you're showing how how much worth he has. And you're showing that he's good and he's worthy. And you're doing it by your actions. You're, you're saying, here I am, whether that's with your kids or whether that's doing your job and you're trying to do it as unto the Lord, you are saying, God, you're worth giving my life to and you're worth pouring out my effort for you. Um, and really, we're, whenever we serve, wherever we're doing what we're doing, we should be doing it for God. We're not working for bread that perishes. We're not just going to work just to get money. We're going to work for the bread that doesn't perish. We want to actually please God. We're there for the Lord. In everything we do, we're doing it all to the glory of God. That's our goal. And so as we have that mindset when we do things, we are worshiping, even if we're not saying it out loud. We're showing, God, you're worth it. And I'm pouring out um, an expression of your goodness and worth and me serving you um, instead of serving myself or instead of serving something else. And so just trying to get that idea in there. That we're meant to serve the Lord with gladness all the time, uh, wherever we are. is We're to be doing whatever we do unto the Lord. And first thing I kind of want to get across is um, get rid of a negative idea that we kind of have in our mind. And I think it comes from our culture. And it's a really horrible thing that we've received from our culture and we've kind of internalized it. At least I have. And you can examine yourself and see, have I believed this as well? And here's the really terrible thing that we've really believed. That the important things are the big things. The things that draw a lot of attention, lots of numbers, lots of clicks, etc. Things like that. That the really important things are the big things, the obvious things, the things that get a lot of attention, that get a lot of praise. And we've got to get that out of our mind. Uh, If you want to turn with me to Luke 21... Jesus really brings out this idea of what, well, really getting against this idea. And while you're turning there, I'm going to read you a quote from Hudson Taylor. So Luke 21. But here's a quote from Hudson Taylor. A little thing is a little thing, but faithfulness in the little things is a great thing. A little thing is a little thing, but faithfulness in the little things is a great thing. That when we talk about we're meant to serve God, we're not saying that we're meant to go out and do these big, um, showy or 
you know, monumental actions that everybody notices. That's not what we're talking about. If really that's what we believed, then our life is going to be pretty discouraging. <laughs> because for most of us, we're never going to have the big um, event that everyone is proud of, you know, that everyone sees. Um, and even the times when something like that happens, it's very rare in our life. The vast majority, 99.99% of our days, are spent doing little things for the Lord. But little things doesn't mean they're unimportant things. And so let's read here in Luke 21, and you can see this. Luke 21, 1-4. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box, and he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins, and he said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. This is a real picture of what God's doing all the time. God sees everything, everywhere, all the time. Here's God in the flesh. And what Jesus is doing is showing us what God does all the time. God sees everyone. God sees what everyone does all the time. And God actually notices little things that nobody else would take notice of. And not only does he notice them, he values them. And he's not comparing them to how much this guy put in before, the rich guy. And said, well, hers is less. Hers is less important. Her money bag was smaller, so she didn't do as much. He's saying, this really mattered. In fact, he's saying, this little thing was a big deal. She put in just two small copper coins, but he, God knew what that meant. He knew what she had, her context, where she came from, and that that was all she had. And God valued that. Jesus valued that. And he pointed it out to his disciples. It teaches us a lot of different things. One, we can't tell necessarily what the important work God has us to do. We can't, we can't tell. In general, we think, like the culture, that the big things are the important things. But the reality is, it may not be. Think about this. This woman's life, if she thought, let's just imagine this poor woman that put in these two copper coins. If she had to sit down and think, what's the most important thing I'm going to do in my life for God? I would be very surprised and shocked if she said, remember that time I put in two copper coins? And now what? For years and years, <laughs> thousands of years, it's been encouraging people. Think about that. <laughs> and even if it hadn't, God noticed. Jesus is right there looking and pleased. That's an amazing thing. I think we have this absorb the slide to the extent that we can kind of weigh, you know, what's really important to God? What's really the big thing I'm supposed to be doing? And, and kind of have, it, have the idea in our minds, but we really can't. You know, this comes across later on in Matthew where he talks about the sheep and the goats. Do you remember when Jesus talks about separating the sheep and the goats? And he says, the goats, this is in Matthew 25, you, over here on the left and the sheep are on the right. And he says to the, to the sheep, um, come into my kingdom for I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry and you fed me. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. And you remember what the uh, sheep say? Does anybody remember? They say, when did we do that? They didn't even remember. It's like, I'm going to speculate a little bit here, okay? So this is, I'm not saying, let's see. 
If you disagree with what I'm about to say, that's okay. I'm reading a little bit into the text here, probably too much, but I'm going to tell you, speculate a little bit. Just give me some liberty and think about it, and if you want to set aside, that's fine. But I think one of the things that I, I believe is that probably the best things or the great things or, or whatever, the important things we do for God are probably going to be the things that we didn't even realize. It wasn't the things when we thought, oh, this is a really big opportunity for me to do something really great for God. It was the times when out of love for God and for others that we acted without even even thinking about it. We just loved somebody and we didn't think anything of it. And God looks down and he's pleased. Like, wow, that person is serving me, is, is living out. Um, the spirit and following the spirit that I put in them and being like Jesus is serving me. And like I said, I may be reading a little bit too far into it, but I would not be surprised at all if the greatest thing we, we ever do is the thing we totally forget about when we help someone and we're thinking nothing of it because we just genuinely care. Our thoughts, when our thoughts aren't on ourselves or what we're doing, but just on God, who he is, and, and others. And we, we don't even know, like Jesus said, don't even let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. It's like just out of who God has made us in Christ, what he's done for us, we just act. And those are going to be the things, um, I think, that please God. I think there's going to be a lot of things, but like I said, we don't want to lose reality by absorbing our culture and I think we can do that I mean I think let's say it this way back to the woman with the two coins it may very well be that this really wonderful thing that Jesus looked down I mean think about this Jesus looked how would you feel if let's just say this lady was I don't think it says she's old does it I think it just says she's poor. But let's imagine she's young, okay? And later, she lives long enough to see the Gospels written. And then she's reading the Gospels, or somebody's reading it. And maybe she's a part of a Christian community. And they say, well, I'm going to read from this Gospel that Peter just um, sent to us. Um, gospel of Mark was traditionally thought Peter was behind it. And, um, and then maybe, well... That particular one's from Luke, so Luke. And, uh, and, she, and she hears that this meant something to God. She may very well have thought at that moment when she put in the two coins, sorry God, I couldn't do more. Sorry, this is all I have, this is so little. And that really, and then to find out Jesus saw that, noticed that, and said, this, is, this means so much because of the context. Because she gave all she had, because she did it. Um, not showy, it wasn't for everyone to see, but she did it for God. She did what she could. How do you think she would feel to find that out? Especially if she, again, speculating, just thought, oh, I'm so sorry, I couldn't do more. That would be an amazing moment to realize Jesus saw you and noticed you. Now remember that this is just a picture of what God's doing all the time. This is not just a one-time incident. God is omniscient. God sees every person, every child of his. He sees what you're doing, why you're doing it. And we want to serve God all the time in the little things 
everyday things with our kids, with our job, when we're out in the community. Thousands of opportunities a day to love people and to love God and to serve Him. And we don't want to let any of those become unimportant in our mind where uh, this, is, this, isn't, this is nothing, this is not a big deal, this doesn't really matter to God. That's not true. Think about this verse here, in, like we were talking about in Psalm 100. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. You have an opportun- opportunity to serve God. You've, he's put you where you are. And it may be a lot of things that the culture doesn't value, or most things, many things that the culture doesn't value. But you know what we need to do is serve the Lord. Serve the Lord, right? We're going to try and serve him. We're not trying to please others. We're not trying to look good on the outside. We're not doing it for praise of men, we're doing it to the Lord. We want to serve the Lord. We want to serve Him where we are, where He's put us, and we want to do it with gladness. What a wonderful opportunity every day that you have to serve God, Almighty God. You have the opportunity to serve Him, and He sees you and is pleased. That's an amazing, wonderful thing every day. Think about Cain again that we talked about. Think about how Cain gave that offering and God said, I don't want it. Yeah, I don't want that. Or think about in the Old Testament where they're coming in and they're worshiping and God says, lock up the doors, stop the singing, I don't want to hear it. Remember that? That's in Isaiah, I think. And think about how sad that would be. I mean, what have you heard a voice like Cain that said today, you know, quit trying to serve me, I don't want it. That would be so sad and scary, Right? Well, now think about the opposite. You have the opportunity to serve God every day. What an amazing, wonderful opportunity that God actually is there to hear your worship, to hear your prayers, to see what you're doing and actually receive it as service to Him. That's an amazing, wonderful, huge blessing and opportunity every single day that we have. And so, in light of that, we can have gladness. What a wonderful thing. And just something that we can pray about. I mean, in the mornings, there's many days where we wake up on the wrong side of the bed and we're not looking forward to the opportunities God has given us. And we have to renew our minds and ask the Lord, help us. God, help me to serve with gladness today. This is a wonderful opportunity. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, there's many people who would be just thankful to and thrilled to be doing what you're doing whether that's um changing dirty diapers you know or whatever there's many people who would be thrilled to have a dirty diaper to change um two legs to walk on and a, and a job to go to food to eat and um what an opportunity not only that but that it's to the lord one final thought here on serving god Um, I wasn't going to read this, but I'm, we've got plenty of time, so I'm, I am going to read this verse here to you. Why well, I'm uh, pulling this up. Um, another thing that seems kind of in line with this and, and is fitting into both the little things matter to God, not just the big things, and then the idea of worship as service, 
Think about this. Just going through your life with a thankful, worshipful heart in all that God has given you. That's a big deal. God is calling us to that. God has called us over and over to thank the Lord in all circumstances and all these things. And it seems like, it may seem like, well, what, what really is going on? What is really changing by just being thankful for each meal or, or praising the Lord when you see the sky? That, that's a huge deal. And think about the people around you, people that encourage you. Aren't they people that, even just little things like that, where they're thankful for the world that God has made and, and they remind you to be thankful. And they're just... I'll, I can't do two things at once, so I'm really, I'm really at a disadvantage here. I'm going to read you some verse, and then I'm going to tell you a story. Um, I'm not going to read you all these, but over and over and over and over in Ecclesiastes, God says this exact same thing about, he actually combines the same idea of service and thankfulness and how it's meaningful to God. Listen, I'm just going to read one, um, one of them, but actually there's like three or four of these that say the same thing over and over and over. It's kind of one of the main, one of the main refrains in Ecclesiastes. Behold what I have seen to be good and fitting. What is good and fitting? To eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him. For this is his lot. For everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. Think about that. And actually, that's repeated over and over and over. There's a bunch of different variations, which I won't read all of them, but what's really good and fitting? Find enjoyment, thankfulness to God for where you are, all the things even you, the meals, the work that he's given you to do, and do them with joy. It says specifically, well, I better read one more because this is really good. It says, I saw that there's nothing better Think about this. What's going to be nothing better? Nothing better than that man should rejoice in his work, for that is his lot. Who can bring him to see what will be after him? I'll read you another one. I perceive there is not. This is nothing better again. I perceive there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. Think about that. There's nothing better. He says over and over, actually, several times, nothing better to what? To serve God where you are with joy and be thankful for the good things in your life. That's a big deal to God. <laughs> That's amazing. Nothing better. That's quite a strong statement, and especially to repeat it over and over in Ecclesiastes. And so one final thought on this idea of what are we made to do to serve God? Well, that's the things we think about, you know, cleaning the house and mowing the yard and going to our, you know, work and all that but it's also worship thankfulness joy in all the things that he's given us that worship to god is is good and it, in fact he says there's nothing better than if we can go through our lives with a thankful heart joyful heart to god for all he's given us in service to him and so just something to think about uh, a way to frame our our lives our christian lives how easy is it to miss that isn't it isn't it easy to go through your day and, and just do all the important things 
and then miss the big things, <laughs> right? You get your whole t- task list done. You get the kids all in order. You get everything cleaned up, and there's not joy and thankfulness. <laughs> easy. It's easy to do. And so we want to resist that and ask the Lord to help us to shape our minds. So all this is to say, this is what it means to serve God, that God notices all things that you do, opportunities to serve him all over the place, both with our hearts, joy, and worship throughout the day, but also with our hands and what all the things he's given us to do. And that means something. Okay, so that's part one. Part two is going to be a little shorter, so don't get too worried. Um, the second half of that verse in Psalm 100 that we read, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Part of what God has given us to do is to be with him. To be with God. And, you know, we all know that God is everywhere, but that doesn't mean being with him. God is everywhere. God's wherever you are. But you can be with God in a special way. God can be there, but you're not with him. Does that make sense? I'll give you a couple of verses here that kind of give this idea. Think about how shocking this verse is from John, John, okay? There's people here who are with God, but they're not with him. Okay? Just listen to this. This is Jesus talking. He's talking to the Pharisees about John and about himself. He says, The testimony that I have is greater than that of John the Baptist. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. But his voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe in the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures, because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me, that you may have life. I mean, think about that. Jesus literally, God in the flesh, is standing in front of them, talking to them, and they're listening to his voice, and they're seeing him, and he's saying, you've never seen the Father. You've never heard his voice, because you won't believe. Isn't that crazy? It's the total opposite of what he says later in John 14, where he says, um, uh, oh, I think it's Thomas. Um, He said, he says to Jesus, uh, show us the Father. And he says, have you been with me so long and you still don't know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. He says just the opposite, right? He says, if you've really seen me, you've seen the Father. But the point is, they're seeing, but they're not seeing, right? The Pharisees are seeing Jesus with their eyes, but they're not seeing at all. Whereas Thomas and the disciples, they really saw Jesus who for who he was. They really believed. And so you can be in the presence of God And God can literally be talking to you and saying, you've never heard my voice. (laughs) That's crazy, because they're blind. And there's so many things like this. Um, I'll read you another verse that kind of gets this across. Hebrews 4 says, No creature is hidden from his sight, that's God. Um, No creature is hidden from God's sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him who we must give an account. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find help in time of need. 
But he says God sees everything. God's everywhere. God sees everything that's happening. But then he has a second, uh, a command, draw near. It's like God's everywhere, but you still need to draw near. How? Through the blood of Jesus. And this might be a good time to do like a little bit of a side here, but all three of these things that we talked about, serve God, be like God, be with God, this is a result of the gospel. This is what the gospel restored. This isn't the gospel, right? What I'm sharing today is not how you're right with God. You can't be right with God by trying to serve him, by trying to be like him, and by trying to be with him enough. All these things are enabled by what Jesus did on the cross. Right? All these require the blood of Jesus to forgive us and wash us to, for any of this to be possible. It's the result of what Jesus did. It's not how we earn anything. Okay, um, Forgiveness is a prerequisite for all these. Um, I just want to be clear on that. I don't want... I mean, it would be really a shame to, you know, maybe even have a kid grow up and know this. Like, you know, why did God make me? To serve him, to be like him, to be with him. So I'm going to really try hard to serve him. I'm going to really try to be like him. And I'm really going to try to be with him. But if they're not forgiven, then that's not possible. That They're still separated from God by their sin. They still have a heart that, that is unregenerate. You know, that that's far from God, right? Um, they aren't going to be like God. They're they're always going to fall short. And so I just want to make it clear, just very explicit. This, all that we're talking about, is only made possible by being right with God, by trusting Jesus for forgiveness of sins, by receiving the Spirit. All those things are the prerequisite to any of this, that this is why God made us, but the gospel is what restores this, that Jesus' blood is what restores not our own effort. We're not going to be able to, you know, grit our teeth and be better people, Apart from him, we need Jesus, and he's the one that empowers and and is a prerequisite for all these things, um, his blood. So I just wanted to make that clear, and that really comes out in that Hebrews passage, uh, that we draw near because of Jesus as our high priest. That's the only reason we get to draw near. So being with God is part of our, back to being with God, being with God is part of our purpose. And we just Last week when we talked about this, we just asked, is there a balance in your, you know, in your life? Do you see just one of these as your purpose? Like, do you feel like just serving is all your purpose? If so, then you're probably going to be run down, right? If you're just always thinking, all God has me to do is serve, 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 and you never spend time to be with God and be refreshed and be ministered to by him, uh, you're going to wear yourself out uh, because you're not just meant to serve. You're also meant to be God's friend, to be in his presence and you need both. Um, God made you for both. There's several promises that we can lean on here. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. What an amazing promise there. If you want to be near to God, you can be. In a special way. You know, he's everywhere, but you can be near to God in a special way through Jesus. Okay, briefly, I'm just going to try and wrap up this being with God. Do you spend time with the Lord? Is there time where you're actually consciously thinking about Him, maybe praying to Him, uh, or throughout your day, you're consciously in the presence of God? And I'm going to give you four motivations here for for exercising this aspect of who God made you to be, to be with God. First is faith, okay? Think about this. 
verse in John 15. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So here he's talking about nearness to God, being with God, but he's also talking about our need for God. Um, what does it mean to abide? Well, one thing I think it means very clearly is that we need God. We need to trust him. And so if you're struggling to want to be in the presence of God or, or you don't spend time with God or throughout your day you're not leaning, you're not entering into his presence even in the midst of the day, I would ask you this. Is there faith there? I mean, do you have a sense of need? Like, I need Jesus. Because that will drive us to God, into his presence. If we get up and we have the, all the resources in ourselves, and we can make it through the day on our own and the hard things may come up, but we can kind of think through it and we can make good decisions and we can get through our day, then we don't need to come into his presence. We don't need to come to him and say, I need you today. I need you with me today. I need help today. Or as we go throughout our day, if we don't encounter things where it's like, man, we really sense I'm a, just a branch and unless I'm drawing from the vine, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to bear fruit. I need Jesus here. I need Jesus throughout the day. Then we're not going to exercise this privilege that we had of, of entering into the presence of God in faith. And what does that look like? Well, it, it looks a lot of different ways, but what I'm encouraging you is that every day you wake up, you need Jesus. That's what Jesus said here in, in John 15. If you separate yourself from the, from the vine, and that's Jesus, you're, you don't have life in yourself. You don't have the resources in yourself to get through. And so every single day, draw near to him, abide with him, be near to him, because he's the one that will meet your need. He's going to provide all that you need each day. And if we forget that, we're going to not enter into his presence. We're going to feel like we have the resources ourselves. And as we go throughout the day, not only as we wake up and ask God, we can definitely ask God, God, help me today. I need you today. Be near to me today. Give me wisdom. Give me love for people. Um, protect me. Give me the food that I need for today. All the things that God provides for us each day. Um, if we're not aware of our need, if we're not exercising conscious faith in him, then we're not going to exercise this this privilege of being in his presence. And then same throughout the day. There's times in the day where we, all the time throughout the day, we need God and we're out of our depth. But there's times where we become conscious and so we enter into the presence of God. God, I'm nervous here about this upcoming X. Please be with me and help me. Please protect us here. Please uh, give us wisdom. Please show grace opportunities to step into his presence, even if it's just a short prayer, right? You know, five second. Um, even if it's a one second, help me, God. Opportunities each day. So that's one motive to get into the presence of God is faith. Do we really trust him? Do we really need him each day? And if not, then we won't be entering into his presence. Love, okay, is another motive, second motive, love. Do you love God? If you love him, you want to be with him. <laughs> Just naturally, you'll enter into his presence because you're just, you love him. You want to spend time with him. And though there might be times when our love grows cold, he'll remind us and he'll rekindle that. And we could even step into his presence if you're not feeling. You know, if you're, if you're feeling just down and you're feeling dry, you can step into his presence and recognize your lack. God, I just, I'm lacking love for you today. I'm just feeling, um, 
dry today. I'm feeling numb today. Please help me. But love, we want to be with God. I mean, Paul says this idea in Philippians 1, I'm hard-pressed between the two, to, to stay or to go, to be here, or he, he's thinking about he might be martyred. But my desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Well, we all have that, right? If we're really Christians, we want to be with Jesus. We have the opportunity here. Eventually, we're going to see him face-to-face, which is going to be far better. But we still have that desire in our heart. I want to be in the presence of God. Here, it's not as immediate, and we're looking forward to the face-to-face, but we can still say, we want to know Jesus today. And um, that's another motive, to enter in, to be with God each day. Love. And then the last one is just kind of a repeat of all we've already talked about, really. Um, Joy or thankfulness. Reminds me of Daniel and Daniel 6. Uh, when they signed that document about prayer, remember, to get him thrown into jail, he, that he, you couldn't pray to anyone except for Nebuchadnezzar. It says, Daniel got down on his knees, just like he had before, got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he had done previously. Well, you see, he's, getting, he's taking time to get into the presence of God. Why? would pray to ask for help, but also to express thanks. And even there in the moment where there's this persecution and they said, don't, you know, basically you can't pray to God. He went right back to it. God, I need you, and I'm thankful for, I'm thankful. Um, And then it said, before his God. He was with God. He was with God in a special way there. And we have that opportunity as well. We can be with God, and that's part of what God wants for us each day. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. I mean, it's a blessing to be able to come into the presence of God. So, just to wrap up, I just hope that this is a help to you as you think through each day and every day. What? Why did God make me? What's my purpose here? To serve Him? To be like Him? To be with Him all our days? That we have an opportunity, opportunities all over the place to come into His presence because we need Him, because we love Him, because we're thankful, because there's joy over all that he's put into our life. And also, so many opportunities to serve him, whether that's worship or with our minds, with our hearts, or with our hands, we can serve God each day. And we want to be conscious of those and, and step into those. Again, like we said before, it's so easy to miss the big things, right? And I feel like that's one of the reasons I want to re-give this, basically re-give this message that we had a while ago is just, Remind us, well, what's the overarching theme of the Bible? What, what are some themes that run from Genesis to Revelation that we can actually apply to our lives every day? Why is it that God created us and redeemed us, and what are we going to do in eternity? We're going to serve God, we're going to be like God, we're going to be with God all our days, and we, we can practice now, and it means something to God. God looks down, and he's pleased when he sees you, whatever it is you're doing, serving him with a heart of thankfulness, and coming into his presence because you need him, because you love him, because you trust him. And so, next week we're going to talk, I skipped the middle one, be like God, so we're going to talk about imitating Christ and being like God, um, kind of dig into that. There's a lot there, but... All right, let's pray together. 
Father, we look to you and we're just thankful that you do love us and that we are just dust. And um, we want to be even more thankful that you love us in light of um, our sins and faults and failures and how small we are compared to you. And I pray you'd help us uh, just today and tomorrow and uh, this week. We really want to serve you and um, we want to do it with joy and thankfulness and uh, sense of our your presence and our need for you each day. Pray you'd help us by your spirit. Um, we're just looking to you for help, and we need your help every day. You are a good God. You're worthy of worship. Thank you for all the wonderful things you've given us today to be thankful for, even just that we can meet here and, and we have Bibles in our own language and we're free to worship without persecution and the beautiful sky and weather and fall and just all of the wonderful things you've made. We're thankful um, that you're God and you do all things well. Thank you for uh, the gift of music. Thank you for the worship songs today and the opportunity just to praise you. And um, we love you and we're looking to you for help, Jesus. Amen.